right, so God of War. Yeah, this is... Well, first off, how was your day? It was fine. It was cold. This bitter storm, this winter in full swing, yes. don't like it. The, the very January into February weather is not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's kind of, and there's not there's not much going on holiday-wise. I mean, there's a few. Yeah, but you got the like, cu- you got the eve uh, as a fresh reminder for anybody who's forgetting Valentine's Day is right around the corner. It is. What do you do for so. Valentine's Day? I mean that generally, like you don't have to tell me specifically what you do. I mean, I know what you do, but what what do you do? A decent, nice dinner, be it you make it yourself or you go somewhere nice, mm-hmm. a nice present situation of some kind. I feel like you know, make it chocolates nice. and flowers just don't cut it anymore now. They can, depending. They like, can. I've, in the past, I've done the surprise at work flowers, but in the work ho- from home situation, that's tougher to do these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's it's interesting. You find ways to surprise and be innovative. Okay. Okay. Basically, I, I feel like you were gen- genuinely asking because you wanted you wanted ideas. I I do. I need I need some ideas. I've got a few, but I always like to, you know, I always like to just stir the pot. Well, I, I like to know. cast a wide net. Is what I'm. That's yeah, not the expression. That's, that's a better way to you, say. You get what I'm. You get what I'm trying picking to picking up here. what you throwing down. I like to have options. I like to have a yeah. good palette to paint with later on. But, but Metaphoric- yeah. metaphorically, yes, metaphorically <laughs> <just> speaking. <laughs> But yes, okay. So God of War. God of War. I've played a little bit of God of War, but you're you're definitely more versed on the franchise than I am. Well, okay. Well, my favorite part about it is probably Christopher Judge. Yes. I've, I've watched a decent bit of streams at this point, and I got to say, he's the best part of the story. Oh, absolutely. His like his performance, even if even if you want to say it's voice acting. Yeah. I mean, it is voice acting, but even if like you just say, well, it's he wasn't performing. I mean, he did perform. I mean, they do a lot of mocap on that. Oh, um, yeah. And we can get more into it. I'll say this. One of the greatest performances of the decade. I think. Yeah. High praise. Christopher I like it. Christopher Judge's performance as, as Kratos in God of War. He's also uh, really great in Stargate. Yeah. A lot of people don't connect those dots, but I mean, he was so good in that show. Mm-hmm. And he, he was a man of few words in that character, and he made like little moments say a thousand words with one word. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize you actually sent me the video of his little dig at Call of Duty. I think yeah. It was. <laughs> that was just recently, just this last, just right before Christmas. Uh, at the awards show, for, uh, IGN was having a field day with it. It was great. Um, but yeah, he, he's a big proponent of story-based games, and he was, mm-hmm. I forget the the exact wording of the quote, but something to the avail of his speech was longer than the full campaign for the most recent Call of Duty game. <laughs> I haven't played Call of Duty since college. I think that was the last time I played it. Zombies was the best part of it. Yeah. But yeah, they they uh, Modern Warfare 4... Or Modern Warfare, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare mm-hmm. was probably the best one. I would, I'm trying to think if I played that one. I didn't, I might have played that one. I can't remember. That was like the first in a wave of like multiplayer games that just really got its concept. Mm-hmm. Like they, they tried to replicate the formula and bring something new to the table in later installments. But like that Rainbow Six Siege, those were like the best multiplayer experience yeah. games. Well, enough about Call of Duty. Enough about COD. <laughs> We're going on to on to ga. We got go. bigger fish to fry than this or cod. Gal. So yeah, so tell me what God of War games have you played? I played the first Christopher Judge one titled God of War. I know there okay. were ones so before like, that. It's God, it is, yeah, God of War. It's known as the fourth God of War game, but yes. Yeah, I have not played any of Ragnarok. I've been watching a lot of streams, though, and more I'm watching streams of it. I'm like, I 
kind of want to play this. This looks yeah. rad. Like, I mean, if you played the first one, you'll definitely enjoy uh, the second one, no doubt. And given that <clears throat> you're such a big fan of the story-driven game, same with me, given that we did Last of Us, yeah, I think this is another one that really breaks or sets the mold as to what a narrative-driven video game can be. And I think it pushes that, so- like in terms of gameplay, it pushes that Sony architecture very much to its limits. It's like mm-hmm. it's what you can do in that game is crazy. I was thinking too coming into the episode when we had talked about the famous Ludo narrative dissonance. <laughs> what uh, is thing. it? <laughs> making sure that just making sure every piece is there for a reason. Yeah. This is one going back and thinking about it. I truly think this is the, the merriment between the gameplay and the narrative here, I think is flawless. Before, before I go any further, let me just say <laughs> this has been one of my favorite games definitely in the past 10 years. Like you ever have those games where they just, they just suck you in. Like I know for you it's probably oh, yeah. the most recent Zelda. Oh, I'm, uh, I actually was just playing Tears of the Kingdom and that came. Oof. It yeah, not, it can just not going to go a, down a whole Zelda spiral, which is very easy. yes. So yeah, the spoilers abound. There's going to be spoilers here. So if you haven't played the game or don't want to know the story, I mean, I probably won't probably won't go into like super detail as to what's happening. But still, maybe put this episode on the back burner until you check it out. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely because I wouldn't want. And and I mean, even if narrative wise, there's so much going on in the game just in terms of sheer gameplay that I feel like if 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 you're if you're a gamer. This is one definitely to check out if you haven't checked it out already. <laughs> so yeah, did you ever play any of the of the original ones like back on like PS PlayStation Two? No, not really. I know a bunch of friends played it, but yeah. been one of my my one friend back in the day was obsessed with it. So I heard a lot about it, but I did, as far as directly playing those ones, I I didn't get mm-hmm. super. I got into it a lot because of one, it's <laughs> the violence. The nudity, <laughs> the graphicness, yeah. just because the first one come out like 2003, 2002, somewhere Sounds around there. Right. Once again, I did my research. <laughs> as, far, as far as like knowing the exact dates, I'm not going to fault you for that. 2005. Um, so yeah, I would have been just, just coming into high school. This was a game, the first one, that when it first came out, I remember seeing it. I remember being like, oh, it's like Greek mythology yeah. based, which I love. And it's just one of the things I can't shut up about, even though <laughs> even though I try. Just anything mythology based, I'm like, yes, I'm in. I'm in. You have yeah. me. Don't need to do anymore. Well, it's it's funny that it, it is so tied into mythology because so was Stargate. Yeah. And it makes it clear why Christopher Judge was so into taking this on. I mean, it's it's a lot of the similar kind of twists of, of old history mm-hmm. into, into like new narrative territory, which is, I always enjoy that stuff too. So and pre- pretty much you and I tend to like dovetail on stuff like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And one of the things about wanting to play this game was being in those settings, being able to take on <clears throat> some of the big known Greek monsters like the Minotaur, Medusa, the Hydra, the Gorgon, the Cyclops, seeing all Google. the Greek gods. Like it was just, it was just like, oh yeah, it's going to be awesome. Little did I know, I think it was rated M for Mature originally. I'm trying to think. Could I? I don't know if I, I. I think I still at the time had to have my mom buy it for me. <laughs> I don't think I was quite yet 17 yeah. when it came out. So I'm trying to remember, but I think that's what happened. And it's definitely a much more this the original series 
the the Greek Pantheon series, if you will, is a much more action-packed, testosterone-fueled, enraged romp. Kind of more along the lines of Doom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like romp through ancient Greece or, or mythological Greece, I guess, would be the more appropriate for that. I don't know, getting to fulfill, and for those of you who aren't familiar with I'll give a quick overview of the God of War original series. You've got Kratos, who's a Spartan, who at the time is voiced by the actor Terrence C. Carson, who I think like, and the reason I bring that up is because when they get Christopher Judge to do it in the newer iterations, I thought that was like such a perfect pick Yeah, because their voices sound similar, but judges has a more age sound to it at least at least because he is older now like i guess it might not be a fair critique it's well even when he was younger he's he had that like very deep almost yeah. threatening stuff yeah like, there's that a threatening nature sort to, of older yeah. like like almost there's like a hint of there's a weight to his voice that is hard to duplicate yeah i mean he he did an episode of macgyver because i remember they would always reference it with him being on with Richard Dean Anderson for Stargate. Yeah. And they showed that, uh, like, the scenes of him and MacGyver, and he couldn't have been more than, like, 20, 23, 24 when they shot that. Mm -hmm. And, like, he still has that, like, deep, threatening voice. Yeah. And that, <clears throat> I think that just, it works so well, because if, if we go back, to, let me just go through the original ones. You have Kratos, and he's a Spartan warrior, very built up. Rage is, like, his mantra, that's yeah. that's who he is. And essentially the whole long series in a nutshell is his long quest to take his revenge on the Greek god. And he's just going to just plow through anybody who gets in his way and stops him from getting his vengeance. And he does a lot of horrible things to say the least in these games. What's so interesting about it is looking back now having this the newer iteration now where he's in the Norse pantheon. So he's moved from the Greek pantheon into the Norse pantheon. Having played those, I never really thought about the amount of violence and just gratuitousness and, and you could argue unwarranted nudity and sexuality going on. I never thought of it as anything that would then later be used as a, 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 a mirror, a pivot point to this new, the newer God of War game. And how yeah. those games play such a huge role in the character of Kratos when you meet him in God of War 4 and, and in God of War Ragnarok. It, it creates such a unique character journey for me. And having played them back in the day and then seeing them now as I'm older, it, it, it hits, it has that, that, oh, that almost like poignancy to it that was just mwah, just like I couldn't, I couldn't not, I couldn't put the damn thing down no matter how hard I tried to. Well, it seems narratively that, like, character is definitely one of its strongest points. Yeah, absolutely. And to have such, like, strong acting talent behind it, like, it's it's clear why it stood the test of time. Mm -hmm. And I would say that one of the things to that is going back to what I mentioned just a little bit ago, Terrence C. Carson, who did the original voice of Kratos, and then Christopher Judge, like I said, I thought for a second, like, oh, it's, it's the same guy, just he's he's older a little bit now. He's, it's, I'm like, oh, it works perfectly. No, I didn't realize at the time when I started playing God of War 4 that it was two different voice actors. And I, one, props to them finding both two incredible voice actors who I think just fit the role of Kratos perfectly for the iterations that they did. When you look at, when you were focusing on God of War 4, the story centers around Kratos now who has left <coughs> the Greek world, what's left of it, 
and it's not really explained too much, but he comes to the nor- somewhere in Scandinavia or something somewhere now. He's now in the Norse world. So he's traded Zeus and Hades for Odin and Thor. And he's living in this world. He has a son. And you can tell that he's definitely wearied by everything that's happened in the previous games. I thought that was good. Yeah. It's like we've always talked here about when you're going to do something if you're going to reboot or if you're going to like try to bring something new to something that's been done a million times, I've always asked the question, why not just do something new if 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 you're going to completely forget everything that came before it? Yeah. I know I had it's, that. It's, it's different Go- for different things. So like I would say certain like movie franchises like based upon how their story is told are not going to be the same as rebooting a video game franchise depending obviously like that those are both very widespread categories but no two things are going to be the same the same animal in terms of tackling Mm -hmm. and i think certain things lend themselves to and i I think in terms of remakes too it's like why remake something that's like a classic which seems to be a lot of the case no pick up pick up a piece of garbage and polish it (laughs) is, is my my way of thinking get something that didn't quite click into place and then figure out how to make it work and give audiences something that maybe they really want to see because they didn't get it initially yeah no true absolutely and and that's what i think for me looking at, at god of war i think just hits so well is if this is how if you're going to do i don't even know the ter- like reboot soft reboot sequel new game whatever you want to call it somewhere in that territory yeah this is probably the the platinum standard i think i mean i'm, I'm pretty much just going to be praising this game left and right That's so fine. if you absolutely if you've played this game and you hate it sorry but I don't care. <laughs> I, no, honestly, I haven't. I haven't honestly heard anybody speak ill of God of War. I, 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 pretty much everybody I've seen is into it. Who who plays? Well, and one thing. So here, I'll just we'll just I'll just get down into the details of the game itself, the story as best I can. So yeah, having left the ashes of Greece behind and all of his destruction, he's come to Norseland, meets someone, falls in love, has a son. And when this game starts, God of War 4, one mm. thing that I thought was amazing, and of course you can do this with a video game, and I was curious what you think, How, like if you were to try and do this with a film, it'd probably be more difficult. But they, their ability to keep it all in, in one continuous shot, essentially. Yeah. Now, I know doing it all on the computer, they have much more to play with. They, they can literally manipulate reality at their fingertips when you're doing it in this computer-generated world. But I thought they did such a great job with fixing one of those ludonarrative dissonance principles, which yeah. is the the cutscene. We've always seen it in like, and then this isn't a harp on older games because the technology years ago, it just wasn't quite there yet. You would have the game graphics, the in-game graphics, and then you would beat a boss battle or something and then you would cut you would literally cut to a cutscene the graphics would either get better or some sort of there'd be some sort of big cinematic marker that took over and you knew okay we're into a cutscene now let's take a break yeah that the principle is still here in this but because the in-game graphics are just as good as the cinematic ones now they can flow freely back and forth between the game itself and into the the narrative points where you're just listening to the story, the more passive moments. I thought they just did like, that wonderfully. I would love to know how they did it. I think it's a big testament to Sony Sony Computer Entertainment because I think games like this 
Last of Us, mm-hmm. Uncharted. I know that those are both Naughty Dog titles, but they all kind of have a similar flow through gameplay and cutscenes that I think has kind of become a staple of Sony's brand. Mm-hmm. And I think that they've really got that area down pat. And I, I think it does flow across a lot of their properties at this point. And I think that it's it's noticeable it, that that Sony Computer Entertainment does come with that staple. I don't I don't personally know as well to Microsoft, but the, I, that's part of what's kept me on PlayStation for this number of years. That I I used to be a Microsoft guy. I was very into Xbox, but the quality of Sony was hard to ignore, and they've kept me around for a while. Well, yeah, and too, and you you grew up. I know you're big into or in the Halo games, right? Like, yeah. I've, I've been across all three of the major platforms now. I was I grew up as a Nintendo kid, then mm-hmm. then I went over to Xbox because I wanted some more intense stuff. And and years since then, I as it was actually what was it the year that Microsoft tried to push no resale of games? That's what really put me off, honestly. No, we, oh, you couldn't. I for, I honestly forget which which iteration <laughs> of consoles it was. Where like you, I think it was. I think it was when. Yeah, it was. It was when PS4 came out because that's when I made the switch Mm, to them. But uh, yeah, Xbox was putting a proprietary lock on their games that they tied to your account, so basically you wouldn't be able to resell them because they wouldn't be the discs wouldn't be of any use to any other gamer. And I was like, oh well, I'm not doing that. Which do they still do that, or did they? Well, it was funny because that that uh, ball flew over to Sony. Now Sony's having some form of thing where they're trying that. So it's they're like trying them. Oh god! I was like, how did you guys not learn your lesson? Because that's how you won in 2014. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I I stopped trying to understand all of it. But uh, yeah, well, it was, it was a, that that <coughs> year was very interesting. Regardless legal, of in the frat of boy business technique. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What uh? Oh yeah, the camera, the camera work on it. I'd be so interested to see. Is it just an? I can't imagine that it's all done in in house in terms of like the program just does it automatically. I'm sure there had to be someone back there being like, all right, I want you to push in here. I want the camera to swing close up. Like there was so much, so many cinematic principles going on in this game on top of it just being an amazing video game in terms of gameplay. Yeah. Well, it's like the like the script and the writing obviously are like the great bedrock, but then there's like so many mechanics that have to layer on top mm-hmm. to make it as smooth and flow together. Because it's that it's that smooth flow that like it could be like it's kind of like the opposite of cinema in some ways. You can have a really great script, but if the gameplay and stuff doesn't work, if it really puts you off and it's clunky and it just doesn't yeah. flow, it can it can make you just turn your head away from it. No, one hundred one hundred percent, it can. One thing, I'll just say this. This is definitely, I think, the answer to Ludo Narrative Dissonance. I don't know if I said that already. Yeah. But there is not, I'm very, I'm very hard pressed to find one wasted or unnecessary element in the, in the God of War game, God of War 4 specifically. I'll talk more about God of War 4. I maybe I'll touch on Ragnarok a little bit. It it was one of those ones where like I truly had not had, I'd say the last gaming experience I had that did this to me would have been maybe the Mass Effect game. Yeah, which actually you've you've gotten me into. I'm slowly digging into the Yeah. I and that was already, another they, train that I Obviously had they're not initially. as polished now cuz they're older. Yeah, but I had never been into them initially when they were coming out. You you've actually gotten me sucked down that spiral, so I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm very much on that train now. I'm, I'm 
I'm so sorry. It's okay. But yeah, uh, watching the performances of the characters and everyone in here, all the voice actors give an amazing performance. No one is, no one's phoning it in on this. This, no one phones it in on anything on this game, be it the acting, the music, Bear McCreary's work on this is I just think just just masterpiece. I'll just He's say a that hell of a this, this game is a masterpiece. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I, know I will how take you... a sidebar for a moment and talk yeah. about Bear McCreary because yeah, that no, is one do. of those. He's one of those composers that I think is like a true chameleon. Because every time I spot that he's like one who has scored a show or a movie mm-hmm. that I'm watching, I'm like, I mean, damn, that I would have never picked him out, but like he he totally like wraps himself in and does exactly what's right for the story. And he has yeah. almost no noticeable signature. He just makes something that's perfect for the story every time. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not like a John Williams where you can be like, oh, like that sounds like John. Williams or that sounds like Jerry Goldsmith it's like he very much just like encompasses the story he's working no absolutely he like I always forget one of the shows that I like Outlander he does the music for that it's always also phenomenal walking oh that's right oh I forgot that I believe he did Battlestar Galactica I'll double check myself on that yeah yeah let me let me know on that one I know he did Clover he did uh one of the Cloverfield movies I think it was the second one but yeah, he's been he's been very much all over the place. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Foundation, Battlestar Galactica. There it is. I thought that he. Had. Oh, he did Last Voyage of the Demeter. That's why I thought the score That's, was so yeah, good. Yeah, I had forgotten. He I, he, I spotted him in the theater when we saw that. I was like, damn, this dude just is a chameleon. He that's the best way I can describe him. He's an absolute chameleon. He just mm-hmm. he totally dives into whatever story he's making and just does the best thing for that. He's not really concerned with being noticed. From yeah. what I've been able to tell, he just does does his thing yeah and he's all over looks like a movies tv shows he doesn't really pick any specific genres either he's just kind of all over the place yeah wow interesting see yeah <laughs> but yeah i the score to this phenomenal i can't say enough about it one of the things one of the key things i wanted to touch on with god of war specifically is how i think this is a great how video games lend themselves so much to world building when it comes to writing and i don't know if you've ever watched i've mentioned it a few times on past episodes any of the brandon sanderson lectures that he does on specifically fantasy novel writing but creative writing in general he mentions how one of the big things with writing in fantasy you have the characters the plot the setting which are like all held together by conflict. He kind of draws it in like a diagram. Yeah. And then there's like another box that goes around that. If you can picture, if you can picture like almost like a weird looking Venn diagram with a square around it. I like this. And the, and the box is the prose, the, the way that you're going to experience the story. I think that to me is such a simple way of just unlocking the creative mind because it, it reminded me a lot of i think it was it was a dan Harmon's story uh, circle a story circle yes was it yeah was it that, was I, li- it, I like that or was that justin too. roland who did it no it was dan one it was of dan the, harman's was it's dan attributed Harman. to being dan Harmon's, but they okay. were long time long time collaborators and i think he like i think he was attributed as doing that on maybe community maybe something before that okay but i think around the time that community started so I think that that's that's how he would draft out all his scripts was using that principle and like everybody yeah. took note of it because it was like oh it's looping everything back on back in on itself and it was like for for the purposes of like particular stuff like it it worked yeah and that format it reminded me a little bit of that now credit when you're working with film or TV show you kind of have to get to the point in each time you don't have as much you don't have nearly as much time as you do in a fantasy novel 
Yeah. Because a book, a fantasy novel has nothing but time. And a video game, I think, certainly has nothing but time either, especially this one. I mean, yeah, the game does eventually end, but can clock in at like, I don't know, Jesus, 60, 70 hours of playtime, depending yeah. on, I got you for three minutes of playtime. <laughs> three minutes of playtime. <laughs> You're not going nowhere. Uh, <laughs> I got you for three minutes. Three minutes of playtime. Playtime. Okay. Anytime, anytime I play like an open world or something, I just end up doing every possible side quest. <laughs> Like taking oh the no and that's exactly route. what i ended up doing here in this and that was going to bring me to the big the crux of my god of war thing going back to brandon sanderson's little diagram if you have it pictured in your mind big square four circles one in the middle three kind of attaching conflict in the middle plot character setting so he, he uses that and that's how he kind of breaks down the whole lecture series each week when he's doing it and for fantasy one of the big things in fantasy is the setting that's hmm. That's one of the things that, that draws people to like fantasy stories is the escapism or that that sense of a different world out there than, than what yeah. we're used to here. And it's not to argue that like setting is the least important in other stories, but in like a in a like a, maybe like a spy thriller or something that takes place here, plot plot and character are going to be more plot and character tend to always be the more important. And I will say, I don't know if you've ever had that issue where like if you're watching something reading something if you're so so on the setting but you like the characters and the plot you'll tend to go along with it more so than if the setting is really good but the plot and the characters just absolutely suck no yeah i'd agree with that it it tends to it tends to be the one where like if you can if you can do like a lukewarm version of it you can get away with it and still most likely be okay with fantasy or science fiction anything like that the setting becomes even more crucial because that's one of the things that you're enticed to want to read in those genres. And this is where you get that sense of world build. And of course, you always have to be careful because you can get world builder's disease from it. It's an interesting easily one. done when you like try and build out too much or do too much. Yeah. Like if you if you basically you have to ask yourself, do I want to do what like Tolkien did? And take 20, 30 years just building out this world and not really worrying. If you're willing too much. to give your entire life to one yeah. idea. <laughs> if and there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want to do, go right ahead. But you have to just then know that to, that comes with its own set of challenges. Yes, it comes with its own set of challenges, and the reaping of any possible rewards that you could get from it is gonna be far off. It'll be yeah. a while before you see any return. If if that's even it. Maybe it's just something you like to do and you, it's just a diary and you just say, nope, no one's ever going to see this but me. Nothing wrong with that either. So yeah, in the world building, when you're doing your settings, you always want to say, you always want to try and find the right combination of elements to make the world feel believable. You almost have to trick the audience into thinking that the world is vast and has millions, hundreds of thousands of years of lore going into it. So that can be Especially a daunting thing. Whenever you include mythology and like the yeah. vast topic of that into a, into a video game, it's a lot to cram into one piece of content. <laughs> no, it is 100%. And one of the things that God of War does so well, now credit it's using the Norse mythology to its advantage, but it's also using the previous games to its advantage to create this really rich lore that they're not afraid to take some liberties with. There are some things they change in terms of the uh, absolute agreed upon version of Norse mythology or Greek mythology. I'm sure there's always things in here that are not 100% accurate. That's one thing. Little little sidebar. You ever get, have you gotten annoyed lately with 
like expert videos by any chance expert videos in in the sense of so for example like they'll they'll take something like god of war all right and they'll have they'll put up like old norse runes and they'll bring in like a norse rune expert like another (laughs) show will and then they'll just pick it apart and be like well actually it doesn't say this and i don't i be but like i don't care man i'm not necessarily here to learn a hundred percent i'm not here to become a doctor a doctor in norse mythology or something yeah i i'm here like it doesn't to need to be enjoy like the story perfection have an emotional experience and if this is the thing that sparks my interest in norse mythology or whatever great i can i don't know i can separate maybe that's my d- problem is i can understand that when i'm playing the game i'm playing the game i understand that what i see in that game isn't probably always going to be 100 percent accurate to what the real world is but that's well, fine. Also, everything that's can't, why everything can't have that uh, natural built-in Jurassic Park plot armor where it's like, oh, well, they're building these dinosaurs from f- like fractured genetic information. So there's a lot. There would be a lot of mistakes. So anything that is factually incorrect is attributed to corporate misunderstanding or mm-hmm. just failed science. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to get that off my chest with because yeah. But what I love about Uh, video games in particular is the world building aspect of them and what's unfortunate in even when you're writing a book you don't you you can't show the audience everything because then the book would either just never end or the movie or the show would 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 just go on forever you have to like pick and choose in this i don't i feel like they you get to literally explore this world and see every nook and cranny that it has to offer are there are there invisible boundaries and you can only go so far Yes, absolutely. 100%. I I would be shocked to find that there was a huge cutting room floor on this. There's there's tons of side quests, there's tons of like optional areas that go back to enhancing the story, enhancing the gameplay, and it's all revolved around Kratos and his son uh Atreus. And that cool. that's that's the core. This is a father-son story when we first meet them in the beginning yeah. of the game and they are Kratos's wife Faye has just died and they're building her funeral pyre. Atreus is helping his father do the last rites. And you could tell their relationship is strained. Kratos is still that sort of hardened but much more tempered rage version of himself. He's not the the just hedonistic blood splattering vengeance guy from the Greek version of games. He's you can tell there's been a change. If you've played the originals and you see this, you can tell a lot happened off screen that yeah. you wouldn't be used to in this and that is one thing i thought was phenomenal about it is because the kratos's wife Faye, the mother to atreus you never see her in the first game not once but she looms large over the entire story i mean that is essentially the 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 turning point the oh god help me out brian help me out recall our classes quickly what do you call it the the inciting incident thank you there thank it you. is thank yeah you. Thank you for thank you for doing that. Yeah, I did. That was all me <laughs> taking credit. But yeah, I, I it, it's amazing how she never appears uh, other than her other than her body in the very beginning. But it's wrapped up. You don't see what she looks like. Uh, she looms very large in this game, and essentially the the kicking off point to the whole story is that she wants her ashes to be scattered off the highest mountain in all of the realm, and and we're off. That is the beginning of the game. Kratos and his son Atreus are going to take the mother's ashes and scatter them at the highest mountain 
of course things happen later and they run into all these problems and you just and the and the storyline just keeps building but in terms of how their their ability to use just different writing techniques in this it was almost like nothing was left out there was like there was no like oh we can't do this because we're making this kind of story it was like as long as it fits and works in terms of the mythos let's let's throw it in there and that's a good that's a good place to have it i think like it's like how many times have like i've always remember being like oh what's the what's the stupid term if you're writing something kill your darlings kill your ba-, the scenes yeah. that you love so much when you're writing a script it's like well you got to get rid of them because they just don't it's not enough time and i get that in here i i feel like this was just like draw me something yeah, let's put it in. We have the vision. We have the story. We have our beginning. We have our ending. It's almost just like a clothesline. Let's let's string the beginning and the end, and then let's just put the clothespins and each thing, whatever we want to do, and the player can stop at them if they want to. If they don't feel like they need to, they can go around it and go to the next one. There is a, a it's almost like I need a new term for it. Yeah. A narrative buffet that (laughs) God of War brings that I think is just incredible. And I'm still befuddled, bewildered, just floored over how this, how well this game was crafted. Yeah. And you were mentioning even about just like the mocap and like the direction of scenes, not like you would a video game more as you would like a scene in a film or a scene in a show. Mm hmm. I mean, I think that that is catching on big time, and I think it is really becoming how games are catching up in terms of, like, being a competitive art form on the front of, like, TV shows and stuff, because you are getting these, like, really powerful scenes. Yeah. It definitely has that same quality that Last of Us brings. This sense of trying to figure out, okay, not not looking at story as a sort of tacked on principle to a video game, but rather, okay, how do we, how do we marry these two together? How do I use a video game to tell a story? This is another medium into which I can do it. What are the rules here that I need, that I need? What to are the rules? What are the rules? And it's not to say that games have to always have a good story to it. There can just be a, it can just be a dumb game that's funny and whatever, like Tetris. That's a dumb game. I'm just saying, like, there's not much of a an epic narrative going on. At no, least yeah, not, it's a simple puzzle game. Not, versus, not since you know, I played it. Yeah, this certainly brings such a just a magical, no pun intended, quality to it. Uh, with the characters, everything is sort of also acted upon. Like they thought about it. For example, there's two dwarves in the game who are like your your shop. They can they're they're like where you improve your weapons and everything like that. Your armor, get your upgrades. So yeah. it's like they thought about okay that's a that's a that's almost a very basic game game play rule like you have some sort of power up that you can get right you see that everywhere they made sure to have that married into the narrative to the point where the characters even say like how are you here these dwarves like we just saw you like right back there what are you doing here and where how'd you go how'd all your stuff get here and then they just go on and explain it they don't shy away from it they like leaned right into that ludo narrative dissonance principle and said we're gonna try and actually damn it tie a bow on everything we can and make it all stream together and essentially the explanation is that the dwarf these two brothers are like the best smiths in the norse realm and they have separate little powers that can allow them to jump between realms faster than anyone else. And you can get really interesting stuff out of solving problems in that way, I think. Yeah. Stories and, and it works. It's such a simple little explanation. It's just a magical. 
but they, <laughs> they, they play it so well into the characters and they get a lot of humor comes out of it too. Eventually towards the end that Kratos even starts to try and like tell a joke. Yeah. Uh, in his weird way. But of course, it's like his humor, at least in the beginning, he's very stoic and mm, brooding. And then you you get to see him grow as a character and grow with, with his son. Their relationship gets better. They get to know each other more. But these simple little things, such as like, okay, where do we get the power upgrades from? How do we get that to work with the narrative? How do we keep these things in sync? And yeah, I, you could certainly argue that, well, that's such a thin little band-aid that they stuck on there fine it's the fact that they even tried to do that because normally most most places will just be like yeah whatever it's a separate element doesn't matter they did their darndest to make sure that gameplay and narrative went hand in hand and that is one 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 of the fundamental things i love about this game (coughs) excuse me you're right yeah just talking a lot yeah you're you're making me want to dig back in and go after these because i mean i haven't Aside from our discussions on it, I haven't talked. I haven't thought about this and uh, about jumping into these mm-hmm. realistically because I, I tend to keep things on the back burner until I can afford them. Yeah, there's <laughs> so. even they do they do night they do cool little Easter eggs, tidbits, and optional quests, missions you can do. It all goes back to enriching the lore of the story. That was one thing I always like. I had mentioned before when we tried to do a video game class back in school. I noticed that anytime I have a much more narrative driven game i don't want to go and just collect things just to collect them yeah the collecting coins in mario now it works for mario but in a game like this there has to be a reason essentially the concept is still there like because in here you go and you collect like scrolls or diaries whatever yeah same but concept. it's not meant to be cheeky or cutesy like it actually has to have a point within its own yeah or in its own S- same concept but it it reveals more in the world it reveals more of the characters like one of the freya who is an ally that you meet later in the game it reveals more of her past it reveals kind of more of like what's happening in the world that you've been dropped into yeah and you don't necessarily need to know it but it's up to you if you want to take the time to go through it go right ahead that's why i said that i need to come up with a better term but that narrative buffet style this just all you can eat buffet of god of war goodness that you get out of this yeah uh, it's it's the the world building is one of the things that I think is just so good. And when you're writing a fantasy story, a science fiction story, setting becomes more more important, more crucial to nail. Uh, obviously, you always want to make sure you you, all, you hope you want to always get all three plot, character, setting, and then of course the box, the way you tell it. And the, when we're talking about prose here, specifically talking about are you gonna how 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 well can the reader see the image that they're looking at? Uh, Orson, I think it was Orson Welles talked about it as in like or not Orson Welles, Oscar uh, Wilde. No, no, no. Hang on, sorry. You can <laughs> do it. I believe. Why can't I think of his name? Oh my God. Hang on. I do that like six times a day. No, no, no. I'll I'll get it. George Orwell. Oh God. There we go. (laughs) Orwell, Orson Welles, Orwell. See where I was getting it? I just turned like Orwell into Orson Welles. (laughs) I love it. That he said that you can have the, you, your story, there's a pane of glass in front of your reader. And he said, you can look at it as a couple different ways. You can either be a clear pane of glass and the reader just sees what you describe to them. So that's where essentially like more of like the, the worksman, the craftsman of you don't let your writing draw too much attention away from itself. Yeah. You just let the story do the work. Story does more of the heavy lifting. And then you can have looking through it at like a stained glass window. 
the prose can draw more attention to itself. It, but but that's what you want. Like it becomes more lyrical, more more purple in your prose, more flowery. Uh, Lord of the Rings does that to an extent. It, it becomes more in the in the of of a character into of itself. Some stories do that. Some stories demand it. Some stories are completely the opposite, where it's more of like the nuts and bolts of. I want to refine it and keep it as keep the language as simple and as hidden as possible. I would say most are kind of a mix yeah. in between with it. <clears throat> but yeah, and that affects how you do your settings, your plot, your character. And when it comes to the setting, the world building, the lore of it, I think God of War hits hits a new a new territory with it in terms of video and how every little piece is working together to create that story between Kratos and his son and nothing is forgotten in it. It's such a, a perfect feedback loop. Every fight you do, every challenge you complete, every cutscene you go through opens the world more, gives you more about the characters, give, advances the plot. It literally checks off every box every single time and I don't understand how they did it. it it's just, it's a master, a master stroke of, of not only gameplay, but, but narrative as well. Yeah, and I mean, that lends itself to why Christopher Judge feels confident enough to <laughs> throw shade at Call of Duty on, yeah. on stage in front of millions of people. <laughs> no, and it and it continues in into Ragnarok too, into the second game, which we can we can maybe talk about another time. But uh, yeah, God God of War, the fourth one, everything is just working on a new level on this. And it, I, I was sad. Here's here's one of the things that was sad. But I didn't play it when it first came out. Oh yeah. I, I don't know why, because I had played all the original some some ones. of my favorites. I haven't played on launch takes. My method, I, I tend to sit sit back a little bit and yeah. let things stew because I've been burned a few times on day one of Doctor. No, games yeah, same. And not knowing, so it's it's that's a lot of money to roll the dice on a on a story you don't know is going to be something that's worth your time. Yeah, no, it, it would have been. I think that one came out twenty eighteen, and it wouldn't have been until I don't know three or four years later. That I finally sat down. I got I got it on sale for like ten bucks. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, all right, I'll give this a shot. Holy PB and J, what was I thinking? <laughs> not playing this sooner. Like it just, just yeah. everything in it is is just amazing. I I was immediately sucked into the world through the music. Nothing is this is uh, like if anyone were ever were to say, oh, video games can't be art, and they would point out that Ludo narrative bullshit. I would yeah. literally point to God of War for 2018. I'd be like, go look at that. And you tell me that every element down to the menu screen is not working to enhance the story and the story is working to enhance the gameplay. If not all the elements are working together and there for a single vision like a, like a piece of art, my if you were to still say no, I would be like, okay, dude, you've got some issues. If you just don't well, like it, too, that's fine. Just admit I th- and be like, I, think I just the don't problem like it. It's with just that not is my cup of tea. Fine. The the people who argue against video games being art are people who don't play video games. Yeah, that's it's true. It's pure and simple. That's that's down brass tacks, I think. Because <clears throat> usually it's like people who just don't want more stuff competing in their arena of saying it's art. And I think there's a vast majority of people who don't play games or don't have the penchant for being able to have that visual spatial consistently for so many hours that it requires often mm-hmm. enough in games uh, that I think it's just it's something that a lot of people is out of a lot of people's reach in a way that not to say that they couldn't do it it's just it's not their cup of tea yeah and, and that's, that's that's all well and good but that doesn't make it not art <laughs> yeah and that's fine to say like I always will admit if like there's something if I think it's objectively good 
but I say it's just not my cup of tea. That's my sort of my way of breaking and being like, I completely respect and understand it. It just didn't work for me personally. Yeah, and I agree. But uh, yeah, can't say enough about this. Even down to the weapons that you get, the power-ups, every single upgrade, again, has a story behind it. Character relationships between Kratos and the boy. Yeah, uh, yep. And as he says, yeah, that's one thing. He, to sort of track his character and his growth, he'll always refer to Atreus as boy, to the point where it's a, a meme a little bit. Yeah. But when he does say Atreus, you can tell that like that immediately is a character moment where, okay, he he's concerned now. He's actually calling his son by his real name. And then even the even the after credits uh, scene, not even the after credits scene, Kratos sort of tells the story. I encourage you to look even just that up if you've never watched the game. It might not hit as much if you haven't played it, but just that little tidbit of Kratos telling him why Atreus is called Atreus, I think is just... in and of itself is a little masterpiece. This is a masterpiece of masterpiece. This is definitely in my pantheon of greatest games of all time and greatest, greatest narrative works of all time. That's, that's how much this is right up there with Lord of the Rings for me. Yeah. I've had only a couple of games hit me on that level before. And it's like when it does, I feel like it hits so much deeper than a piece of cinema because it's like you are taking up that active role. You are like, it is like the actions of the character are going by your hands and in, in that personal experience. Mm-hmm. So it, I think it does hit a deeper chord and is capable of hitting you on an emotional level that other things just can't do. And it's, it's hard to describe to somebody until you experience who hasn't it, yeah. had that experience. Yeah. And, and for me, I think too, it was just having played the original versions, having grown up with that and now playing these ones as I'm older, I, I kind of, not that I murdered an entire culture or anything like Kratos does, but just that, that, (laughs) that sense of, of sense of growth and your perspective on the world, how Kratos feels bad about the past. And like, he looks at things, mistakes he made, same thing, like things I've done in my past that I'm not proud of. And just his redemption, his redemptive arc that he has and, and the growth that he goes through having the, being able to look at something after it's hard to understand what something was until it's not there anymore yeah. when it was the 90s like we didn't think about oh the 90s well yeah it was the 90s or, or the 2000s oh yeah like you see all that shit. oh early 2000s music the strange thing is if you were in the 2000s you, you couldn't at the time i feel like tell me what the hell 2000s music really was because no but now it definitely has a defined but style. yes it does now because we've removed ourselves from it a little bit more now we can say yep that's it and I yeah, think, so you have to look at it with that outside perspective. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the things for me this game captured, and that's just more of a, a an extra little bonus that I got because I had played the originals almost twenty years ago now, and then this one acts as that ability to look back and be like, okay, what's what's happening here, and just like that's and that 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 can't go for everyone, but uh, for me that was just a little uh, extra little thing that enhanced the journey for me. Yeah. So yes, play this thing. If you have time, play it. Play with your friends, it, play with your family. You know what I've I've been recommending to people if you if you don't have that penchant for being able to through a game or sit there and have the patience to or the this visual spatial lack of headaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I know that kind of thing can induce that. I I, I encourage watching playthroughs Yeah, like, no, or yeah, do it watch a playthrough. Yeah. I've I've sent I've gotten people into just watching through last of us and checking out that story for like it's raw mm-hmm. sensibility and if you can't really play through it you can still get a 
get your way through there and check it out. Maybe get still get something out of it. Yeah, and so some of those playthroughs, they're no longer than watching like binge watching a series, which we all do yeah. now. So no, yeah, good point. I would encourage that as well. If you're not, if you're just not big in playing the games themselves, maybe maybe watch a, pl- a nice playthrough because there's a, yeah, a ton the, out there. I was gonna say, t- chances are, if it's a game of note, it's got a million different playthroughs out yeah. there on YouTube or what have you. But yeah, but yeah, God of War, give it give it a shot. Strong recommendation from Matt Hahn and myself. Good stuff. I I actually, you're making me want to revisit it. I think I'm gonna go back, put it on my roster. If, yeah, um, give it. I mean, yeah. No, it's definitely worth a, a revisit, I feel. So, yeah, good stuff. And uh, looking forward to more more games this year because there's a lot. Yeah, a lot coming year. out. It's yeah. going to be interesting to see see what, what shakes out, what actually hits the mark, and what's, what falls short this year. So it should be good. Mm-hmm. 